You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, tech fans, and welcome into episode 170 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's high tech studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. Coming up on today's show, 22nd ranked Virginia Tech men's basketball secures a double bye in this week's ACC tournament. Coach Mike Young is named the ACC Coach of the Year. We'll break all of that down here on episode 170 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Plus, Virginia Tech's women's basketball team wraps up the ACC tournament last week. Are the Hokies headed to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2006? And... 18th ranked Virginia Tech baseball stays hot, takes their first ever series against the storied program in the North Carolina Tar Heels this weekend. All that and more coming up. Episode 170 of the Tech Sideline Podcast gets started right now. Whether you are watching live or archives on YouTube, listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on Stitcher, nearly 10 different ways you can consume the Tech Sideline Podcast. We're so glad you could join us today as we record on Monday afternoon, March the 8th. To my left, we have our managing editor, Chris Coleman, here on the podcast set. Across the way, our founder and general manager, he is Will Stewart. Behind the scenes, the second best podcast producer in the <laughs> land. He is Jake Lyman in today, and I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. It's cool. Now, can I cut in here? If you're listening, Nick Brown, don't get upset at us. I've been talking to Nick about doing the producing, but Nick has a, uh, so here's a story. Nick has a class during the regular time, 10 a.m. So that's why we drafted Jake. We're like, Jake, can you come do the podcast at 10 a.m.? He said, yeah. And then we wound up having to switch it to 1230. So we're not doing an end run around you, Nick. It's just that's the way it evolved. If we'd known it was going to be at 1230, we would have pulled you in. No insult to Jake. He'll do a fine job. Everybody will do a great job. Whether it's Malcolm, Jake, or Nick. Hey, Will, if you're watching on YouTube, what should you do right now? You should like and subscribe or subscribe and like whatever order you prefer to do it in. And if you're watching on YouTube and you have a question for Will or Chris, go ahead and drop it in the YouTube chat and we will get to them at the end of the show. The Tech Sideline Podcast is presented by Campus Emporium, the Southeast Regional Training Center. The NCAA Championships are coming up. It's a great time to get involved with Virginia Tech Wrestling. Go to southeastrtc.com to find out how you can get involved with Virginia Tech Wrestling and make a difference today. Tech Sideline Podcast is also presented by Anytime Fitness. Each new member gets a free fitness consultation and a program is designed. Sign up for a dollar in your first billing period. You can call 540-951-1340. Again, that's 540-951-1340. Ask for Tyler and tell him that Tech Sideline sent you. 
Again, it's great to have all of you with us. It is March 8th as we record. We're getting closer and closer to the NCAA tournament. It's the best time of the year, and we've got a lot to get to on today's podcast. We'll talk about Virginia Tech's women's basketball. We'll talk about a big weekend for Virginia Tech baseball and a 1,000 fans being allowed in the stands, the impact it had on Virginia Tech baseball series win over North Carolina. Plus, we'll talk about some Olympic sports, but... We will begin with Virginia Tech men's basketball in just a moment. We have some popcorn on the set today that Chris Coleman popped for us, and we'll explain why in just a moment. But today, uh, this week is a special week here at TechSideline.com. I'm throwing Will Stewart here on the spot. Okay. but uh, Is it Will, my birthday and I don't know? Well, no, not a birthday. Well, yes, I guess kind of is a birthday. Will, do you know what this Friday, March 12th is? Yes. Thank you for reminding me. I totally forgot. This Friday, March 12th, is the 25th birthday right. of Hokie Central, TechSideline.com. It is a milestone week here at TSL. Cheaper so, car insurance, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, so TechSideline's car insurance will go down. And I'll let you speak on it in just a moment, but I just want to congratulate you and Chris, and I know everybody that listens and watches this podcast, how much they truly appreciate the work that both of you do. I mean, just... T- tireless work of just constantly putting in work, writing about Virginia Tech, talking about Virginia Tech. Congratulations on 25 years, Will Stewart. That's incredible. All day, every day, 24 hours a day for 25 <laughs> years. Hope um, to celebrate on Friday with by writing about a win over whoever. That would, be, that would be yeah. very cool. Um, I always get a chuckle because uh, the, a trivia question that I doubt anybody would know the answer to is, what is the first sentence ever written on – what was at the time a little personal web page that I was running? And the answer is, okay, let's get the whining out of the way early. That was the first thing I ever wrote. And, and that was about uh, the seating. The that, that, that was about Virginia Tech, the number 16 ranked team in the country, getting a nine seed, eight or a nine seed in the NCAA tournament. It was the nine seed. They couldn't even have the courtesy of giving us giving the eight. them the eight, you know. And and then they they met Kentucky in the second round, yeah. one of the best basketball programs in the last, you yeah. know, probably thirty five, forty years. Um, but it's funny because twenty five years later, everybody's still whining. We did not get it out of the way early. <laughs> uh, well, congratulations to you again. That's this Friday, March twelfth. Twenty five years of Hokie Central. We actually have a mat that you can't see for those watching. Yeah. But as we as you step onto the podcast set, we step on a mat that has the old. Hokie Central logo and how many of those mats were made? Do you think two? I have one two. at home and there's one here. Okay. Yeah. Well, and you think about the, the evolution of it and where you guys moved. Now you've got two offices here in the Corporate Research Center, a podcast set. So here's to another great 25 years and uh, got an all American running our podcast. <laughs> no, nobody knew what a podcast was. A podcast <laughs> and, didn't exist back then. And now 170 episodes later, here we are. So busy show today. You know, Chris came in great mood today and. uh he came in with a, a thing of popcorn. I was like, are you hungry, Chris? Because, you know, we are recording at 1230. And so, so no, it's a big – well, I guess we are kind of hungry. Yes, but that is part of it. This is not the main reason why. Yeah. We're going to talk about the double buy that Virginia Tech men's basketball has coming up. But I'm kind of glad we did the show today, guys, at 1230 because there was some big news that was announced Monday morning, and that is Virginia Tech coach Mike Young has been named ACC Coach of the Year. Get your popcorn ready. Will? Chris, yeah. I know you've already been enjoying. Let's uh, we're gonna take off our mask just for a moment here, and have a little bite of popcorn. How is it, Will? It's good. You know, you never know how. That's the first time that microwave in our office has ever done popcorn. And you never know what a microwave is gonna do to popcorn. We've got. I was telling Chris, we got two microwaves at home, 
One of them does uh, popcorn just right, and the other one just burns it. So you got to, like like Mike Young and I cross our legs different. I have more of the, uh, the right angle cross. Mike's got what I call the Captain Kirk cross, where it's more like this. I can't do that. It's uncomfortable, but I'm going to do it to honor Mike. So you got to sit back a little bit. And so let's talk about it. Mike Young, in his second year at Virginia Tech, is going to have the Hokies in the NCAA tournament. They were preseason picked to finish 11th in the conference. They finished third. Will, how deserving is Mike Young of this honor? Well, he's absolutely deserving of it. Um, what I thought was interesting was, if I got my numbers correct, he got 26 votes, and Leonard Hamilton got 24, so it was close. I think most people thought the competition would be from Josh Passner because of the way that Georgia Tech finished. Um, I'm not a big Passner fan as a coach. I just, you know. I think he had a lot of experienced players in one year. And yeah, and, and time will tell. I think they've, they've got some great players, don't get me wrong. But you've, you've heard me say this a bunch of times. Uh, I evaluate coaching when I look at a team. Is their performance greater than the sum of their individual parts? If it is, then you got a good coach. If their performance is less than the sum of their parts, maybe your coach isn't that great. And that's kind of where I feel Passner fits, but we're not talking about Passner. We're talking about Mike Young. But I was surprised that it was that close with Leonard Hamilton because, you know, Mike Tech was picked 11th in the ACC and they wound up third. And typically that's where the Coach of the Year award goes to. Seth Greenberg's first year, I don't remember where Tech was picked, but he, he had him finish Probably fourth. last, I'm sure. Probably last. Maybe, maybe next to last because Miami came in in the same year. Uh, yeah, and they weren't very good. Um, and and Tech finished fourth that year, right, Chris? I do believe they were fourth. Yeah, yeah, you know. So Seth deserved it that year. And Mike deserved it this year. Now the the question that's going unasked is, when he was hired, where did you think Tech would be right now? I thought best case scenario NIT. Mm. So mm-hmm. he's he's ahead of schedule. Absolutely. You know, we said at the beginning of the season we thought this team would be better, but it might not show up in the win loss column. Well, it showed up in the win-loss column. Uh, and my reasoning for that was the schedule was going to be tougher this year. And as it turned out, it wasn't. Um, now, the reason the voting was so close is, is two things. Um, Tech played the fewest amount of games of any ACC team this year and only played twice in the last month. Yeah. Tied with Louisville and BC for the fewest amount of games. And because they got both games with Florida State canceled, a game with UNC, and a game with Louisville canceled, as it worked out, they played – probably the easiest schedule in, in the ACC. So that worked against him in the voting. Otherwise, I don't think it would have been that close. Um, but it is well-deserved. Like, it's coach of the year. How do you vote on coach of the year? Um, to me, like, when he took over only four or five scholarship players on the team, he's rebuilt the roster from scratch and has an NCAA tournament team in year two. I think that's better than – anybody could have reasonably hoped for. Um, now, I do think, like, it is kind of unfair to, to a certain extent to Leonard Hamilton. I mean, look, they lost three guys to the NBA draft last year, right? Yeah. Uh, he's a he's done a great job at Florida State. Um, it's like, like, how many ACC Coach of the Year awards will Dabo Swinney win for the rest of his career when you're picked first every year and you and you finish first? Uh Maybe you should have some sort of lifetime achievement, ACC coach of whatever. And I guess that could apply to Leonard Hamilton. But, uh, but yeah, it's a well-deserved award. 
Um, and I, I think it, I think it's it's maybe tough to to vote on these days because there's so many different coaches in the league. Um, yeah, there's 15 teams. Yeah, and and we'll talk about this later with the All ACC teams. Right. <laughs> you know, you look at um, the press release that Virginia Tech put out today. This is actually the eighth Conference of the Year award that he has won in his career. So. Uh, he dominated that award that's when he was in the SoCon. That's a $100,000 bonus by his VT contract if they're giving out bonuses this year. They I are. I saw it was uh, actually 90000 because of the, okay. the pandemic. The 10% and so still, uh, reduction. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, this, and, and you think about what Leonard Hamilton went through, and you mentioned that you lose three players in the NBA draft like, like last year, but you look at what – you guys kind of touched on it. You look at what Mike Young – has done in two years, right? I mean, there were, what, four players technically on roster the moment he was hired as head coach, right? Something so not like counting that. Beattie in the transfer portal, Beattie not counting in the, La- oh, so, in the transfer so, portal. So they, both those guys entered the portal before Mike Young was hired, okay? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So I, I believe it was four or five, literally, the only players that were on. One of them was Tyrese Radford, I believe, right. by the way. So and, so can you name the rest of them? Isaiah Wilkins was probably one of them. I think he was one of them. I think uh, Brandon Johnson was one no no he was a transfer, no, he was a um, transfer. there was um gosh there were uh Jonathan Gabongo I believe was one of right, them right I think you're right and yep. I want to say there was another player who's kind of on a walk on that was a good PJ Horn yeah PJ Horn yep I think that's that's close yeah. to the four or five that he had when he inherited the roster but also I think a large part of this uh this award goes to him because of the development of Keve Aluma Right, he has said how good of a defensive player he was. He didn't know he was going to be this good player offensively, but he's second team All ACC, and I feel like that has a huge hand in this, Chris. Yeah, um, I think the development of Aluma has been fantastic, even if it has been surprising to Mike Young. I mean, I always assumed that Aluma was going to be a very good rebounder for Tech. I mean, his numbers at, at Wofford suggested that he would be, but I don't think anybody saw him turning into a player. Who could get you a double double on any given night? Like over his last six games, he's averaging twenty points and ten rebounds per game. Uh, his last game, he made five of five from three point range. <laughs> what do you attempt like one three pointer his whole career at Wofford? And Probably. now now he's out. Now Mike Young lets him shoot five times if he wants to. <laughs> so it's you, you just you never know. Like, like some some guys come into college, you know, closer to their potential ability than others. Uh, so maybe when Kevin Aluma first enrolled, his uh, for those of you watching, uh, maybe his current ability was here and his potential ability was here, where others maybe their current ability is here and their potential ability is here. But not everybody always reaches that potential ability, whether it be by injuries or or, or whatever. But he he has done a great job, and uh, you know I think let's go ahead and get it out of the way early. I think the red shirt here helped him. Um, and he's a redshirt junior now, and he's going to be a redshirt senior. Well, technically, that's like he'll be fifteen a minutes in. Again fifteen minutes in, we got the redshirt yeah, mentioned. Yeah, I had to go ahead and get it out of the way. But yeah, that's a big, big part of it. Any, any, any coach of the year winner will will always say in his comments, "I'm coach of the year because I have good players." Yeah, yeah. yeah. A couple other notes I want to point out about Coach Young winning Coach of the Year. Hokies four and zero against AP top twenty five opponents um, here on Monday, March 8th. So that's really impressive. They finished 15-5, and 9-4 and four in the regular season. Preseason 11th in the preseason standings, they finished third, a double bye at the upcoming ACC tournament, which we'll talk about in just a moment. It's the first time they've earned 
uh, a double bye since the ACC expanded to 15 teams in 2014 and tied the highest seed earned in the ACC tournament since? 2005. 04, Not quite. A little bit upper. Or 2007. So, last time the Hokies had a double <laughs> bye. Yeah, the what ACC were they? Were they, were they? were they the three seed that year? Lost NC State, of course. Yeah. Two times during the regular right. season. Uh, My bad. I was thinking back to the number four finish in 05. Yeah, double bye. It's a uh, it's a shame that uh, this is the first time I've had a double bye with 15 teams in right. the league. Right. It's bad timing for it, though. Well, it's not bad timing, but like at the same time, I don't. It's tough. It's going to be tough to properly take advantage of it, right? Because. When they tip off on Thursday night, I think they will have played two games in the last 34 days. Yes, and that will be their first game in the month of March. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. So uh, it's just uh, I'm not unhappy about it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. No, I thought that went through my head, though. The difference this time around is have, have they been able to practice Mike, more Mike guys? Young said on Packer and Durham this morning that they've been able to to practice more effectively this time than, than their first time. shutdown. Yeah. Right. So that's yeah. That's key. Yeah. He also mentioned this morning on Packer and Durham that it's really been the contact tracing that they have not had a positive test he said in been, their program for a while. He's and by a while, I guess that means before the season started because they never got shut down at any point until you know last month. So there was a positive test last month, but wasn't it a staffer or a coach yeah, or yeah, something yeah, like that? Yeah, Not he, a player. Uh, he specifically said no player is tested right, okay, positive. Okay. In a long time. And and you know, I had heard that, that a couple of guys had tested positive before the season. But yeah, they're they're getting stopped now due to contact tracing. Um, one thing I actually I get a text from Damian Salas right now texting in not a double buy in two thousand seven. There was not enough teams with twelve teams. Right, so I guess it's right. the highest seed. So this is the first double buy, actually. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, really interesting stat and, there. And opinions differ on whether that's an advantage or a disadvantage. Sure. Now, no, there's – Depends uh, on who you play. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. So, Virginia Tech back in action. And guys, it's hard to believe. So, February 6th is the date that Virginia Tech played at Miami, mm-hmm. and Hunter Couture had the buzzer beater to send the game in overtime. And then there's only been two games since. It's almost like it's – from a Virginia Tech perspective, it's like it's not even basketball season anymore, right? I agree with that, yeah. It's, it's been very odd to watch other teams play and not play yourself. I, I guess it's how Duke fans felt in the month of December. Uh, UVA fans felt in December, early January when they were shut down. I got, No, I guess they were shut down in December. I can't stop eating this popcorn. Yeah, it's good, <laughs> isn't it? I got the buttery kind. Yeah, look, yeah. all the popcorn's just yellow. Mm-hmm. You know, yellow. <laughs> Which is how you know it's going to be good. Um, so let's go ahead and look at the, the ACC tournament that begins this week. And Virginia Tech with the three seed there at the bottom part of the bracket. Um, North Carolina is the sixth seed. So they will await the winner of Wake Forest and Notre Dame. I have to think that Notre Dame is going to be favored in that game. Yeah, I would like to say. Fair to say? Yeah. I think pretty much anybody would be favored over Wake Forest at this point. And then North Carolina-Notre Dame, the likely matchup that you'll see on Wednesday, March 10th in the second round. And then the Hokies will play at 9 o'clock on ESPN or ESPN2, the winner of North Carolina and Notre Dame-Wake Forest. So That's funny. I saw that it was ESPN. The bracket here has ESPN slash 2. So I would, okay. I would think it's probably going to be on ESPN, the nightcap on a on the, Thursday. Okay, I'll keep an eye on that so I have our schedules correct. Um, 
So at any rate, it won't be on the ACC Network. It'll be on ESPN or ESPN2. But, Chris, you look at this bracket in North Carolina, a team that the Hokies did not play this year. They were scheduled to. The game was postponed and then didn't happen in the regular season. They've got Garrison Brooks. They've got Armando Baycott, a, a taller yeah. team. Not Doesn't seem like a guard-heavy North Carolina team. So what do you think about that potential matchup? They're, they're kind of like, from a size standpoint, they're always kind of like Florida State, you know, a long and athletic team. They'll run – you know, four or five guys at you that are six anywhere from six nine to seven feet tall is, is what it seems like every year, and I, I think I think maybe the difference between UNC and Florida State is that Florida State, you know, maybe does have better guard guard play. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but still, it's it's always been a tough matchup for Tech because of UNC size. Uh, what I what I like about this year is the fact that you know Tech finally has a little bit of size of their own. You know, they don't have to go. You know, guard Bacot and Garrison Brooks with, you know, PJ Horn, who's six five, right? They, they can yep. they, they can actually have some legitimate size in there to, to match up with them. Not as much size as UNC, but but you know, a lot closer than it has been in years past. What you don't like, of course, is that North Carolina has been playing for the last month without shutdowns, and and they're peaking right now. They're they're playing pretty good ball right now. Uh, they thrashed Duke pretty good on Saturday. Yeah, I can't see. Um, <clears throat> I, I I can't see a lot of factors working in Virginia Tech's direction. Maybe. Do you remember that one year, Chris, where Tech got a buy in the first round, and they were playing at night? Their first game, it was like so. It was going to be a nine or nine thirty tip, and I think they were playing Wake Forest. And the night before, Wake Forest had gone to at least one overtime against somebody, and had played well past midnight. And then the next day had to play Virginia Tech at night. And the game was competitive at first. And then you could tell Wake Forest ran out of gas. I don't know that that's going to happen with UNC. The, this the only around. game I re- actually remember against Wake Forest in the ACC tournament was the one when Jalen Hudson scored like 30 or 35 points. And that was year one of the Buzz era. And Tech won that game. All right. Well, but so uh, if, if anybody – watching can can remember am i making that up or or what let me know so again the Hokies. let's just you know play the hypothetical here if they were to beat north carolina or notre dame a team they've already beaten this year the Hokies would likely play florida state in the semifinals so will it seems like here the Hokies. uh we talk about the size difference right and how florida state's always just seems to have virginia tech's number but north carolina is a taller team and Florida State's a really tall team as well. You know, I don't know. I, th- I think Tech can handle it better than they have in years past. You start with Aluma, and you've got Justin Mutz, who I know is listed at 6'7", but to me he seems to play taller. Um, Cordell Pencil's back. I, I thought he looked good in, in the one or two outings we saw him. So it just becomes a question of, uh, you know, what, what happens at the guard positions. Um, and – I know Florida State's got uh, – who, who is the really good guard they've got? Is it Scotty Barnes? Is, He's the uh, freshman of the year in the ACC, and they've also like the, like got M.J. Walker. M.J. Walker. Yeah, they still got Remember, Walker. he came down to Tech and Florida State. Yeah. Um, in his recruitment, yeah. So it's, it's, I know it sounds odd to say this about Florida State, but that, that's actually what worries me more is, is Walker and Barnes at the guard position. And, and keep in mind, Florida State would play likely Louisville in the quarterfinals. So also bear, a very tall could team. very well see the Cardinals <laughs> upsetting Florida State getting to the semifinals. It's possible. I don't know what to make of Florida State on a neutral court. 
<laughs> I know at home they're awesome, and at the road they're they're not very good. I mean, I watched a little bit of their game with Notre Dame on on Saturday, and Notre Dame was up by like twenty in the first half. Florida State came back and cut it to single digits in the second half, and I but still ended up losing by ten or twelve or something like that. But that was a game, generally speaking, that Notre Dame controlled from start to finish. And Notre Dame is not a good basketball team, right? So Florida State just has so much trouble on the road, but they're so dominant at home. But what about a neutral court? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. If if Tech does get past UNC, I guess from the standpoint that Florida State also will throw a lot of big bodies at you, in some ways the scouting report would be similar. And I'm sure people who know a lot more about basketball than me can point out <laughs> a lot of a lot of differences too. But uh, it's it's not like a completely different matchup going from one day to the next uh tech did not play either one of those teams uh in the regular season but neither one of those teams played tech either so i just the only thing that really concerns me and i'm not saying tech would definitely go and beat those teams if if it were if we had a normal season but the one thing that concerns me is playing two games in 34 days i mean yeah I, i just that's hard to come back from that man uh the the only team I can think of that's had it worse was actually uh, Buzz down in Texas A and M. You know, Man, they, they had like a whole month off. Right? They played on January thirtieth and didn't play again till March third. Did not that's play a crazy. single game in the month of month of February. Yeah, I kept going through the SEC network listings to see if they were playing, and nope. You know, I didn't follow it that closely. So I didn't know. Thing about Florida State is when you, when you watch them and they're winning and they're blowing somebody out, they just they look like national champions. Mm-hmm. But what comes through when they're doing that is is how strong their culture is. Um, and, and so when you watch them and they're playing well, it looks to me not like just a talent thing, but a culture thing. The way they don't appear to have egos, the way they share the ball, and the way they really seem to, to enjoy. I mean, there's so much talent on that team, but I don't see guys who look upset that they're not playing more and things like I, that. I haven't looked at their their stats this year. But peak Leonard Hamilton years, you know, they'll play 10 or 11 guys. Yeah, yep. yeah. And it's hard to keep 10 or 11 guys happy with playing time. But, but he manages he it. He manages somehow. it, yeah. Um, uh, so. but, but when they lose, it's like they just nap. Well, and, well, the thing is, like, they're, they're such a talented team that whenever they lose, it's, it's, it's like you could argue that they, they didn't lose a game this year that they should have lost, right? I see what you're saying. So, like, they didn't win any games that they weren't supposed to win, but every game they lost, they should have won from a, from a talent perspective. Yeah, yeah. Right? So that's why it seems like they underachieved to a certain extent. Uh, but, you know, there's only two – no, only one unbeaten left, right? Gonzaga. Correct. They haven't lost. Yeah, Baylor has lost, Baylor right? lost, mm-hmm. yep. So we just looked at the bracket, right? Now let's let's come back a little bit and talk about again bringing it home again the fact that the Hokies have played in three games since February sixth. You said that's what concerns you most. This team, to the best to my understanding, has not had a game in which Tyrese Radford, Jalen Cohn, Cordell Pemsel have all played together since December 29th. Good lord! Against Miami, including Pemsel, I think Radford and Cohn played together in late January. Right, but they still have not been full strength. One of my big questions going into this week, Will, is Will Jalen Cohn be able to play this week in the ACC tournament? Because to me, if he can play well, I think Virginia Tech's a different basketball team. The ceiling is raised when he's playing well. You know, I guess I guess that's a question for Mike Young. Um, 
And and I guess they, they they didn't ask him that this morning on Packer and Durham. I don't know that they didn't. The clip I saw was only about two and a half minutes long, yeah. which I don't think was the whole conversation. Last week he said Cone would be out for the regular season, and they hoped to get him back for the ACC tournament. Basically, ah, okay. So to me, so, that's maybe he plays, maybe he won't. But if he does play, you know, what kind of shape is he in? Because you talk about the team only playing two games over the last month. Well, that's the same for him. He only played like five minutes of that Miami game and then has missed almost all the practices since then. So is he even in shape enough to play more than 10 minutes or something like that? And for a guy like him who's who's such a – I don't want to call him a streaky shooter because that's such a cliche. Um, But but that's that's where his – that's his thing. And – he was not as as we detailed in the last podcast. He was not shooting well the last few games. He was something like five of twenty nine or something right. like that mm-hmm. from outside. You, you just don't know what's what is his mind going to be like when he comes back. Nothing would surprise me if he does play. Limited minutes would not surprise me because yeah. he's a guy who has to. He's an effort guy when he's out there because he's short. He's a good leaper and he shoots at the apex of his shot, but he is short so he has to work hard. Well, he's got to run, he's got to run really hard to come off those screens, man. You watch him run in the baseline from one side right. to the other. Yeah. So he's running more than your average guy, mm-hmm. and if he's out of shape that's going to wear him out quickly. So nothing would surprise me from an 0 for 5 performance to a 5 for 5 performance. <laughs> right. Nothing would surprise me. <laughs> yeah, and he's one of those guys. Well, you've got to be careful like if you play him 20 minutes you know he can easily pop off for 20 points and those are 20 great minutes and he clearly outperformed the person he's going head to head against but he can just as easily go 0 for 5 and at that point it's kind of a wasted 20 minutes because he's a defensive liability with his size and basically and at that point it becomes kind of five on four basketball to a certain extent if the other coach takes proper advantage of, of matchup issues and Kind of along those guys, uh, Lions, a guy I'm wondering about is Hunter Couture. Is he going to get back to form, um, you know? In Clearly the he was one of those guys who wasn't practicing. Uh, is His shot was off. You know, Everything was against off. Against Georgia Tech, everything was off. Yeah. And then in the second game against, uh, against uh, Wake Forest, the shot was still off when everybody else was making it. I mean, the guy didn't even draw a charge. <laughs> I know. How but, could he? How yeah. long has it been since right. he drew a charge? Right. Ask David Cunningham. <laughs> so I, I feel like – we're in the same spot, right, of when the team was coming back to play Georgia Tech to now. Like, there's a little bit of unknown. We don't know what to expect. However, again, the good news is it seems like they have been practicing more than they were the first time. Um, so let's do it. We just looked at the ACC tournament. We know the Hokies have the double bye. They'll likely play North Carolina in the quarters and then either Florida State or Louisville in the semis if they win. But next week, guys, the NCAA tournament is here. Uh, for the first time in two years, the NCAA tournament. We as sports fans have had to wait. It'll finally be back. Um, Will, I know you were looking last night at Joe Lenardi's projection. He's got the Hokies kind of on that 8-9 line right mm-hmm. now. So mm-hmm. this is an important week for them. If they could steal a win or two to improve um, their seeding going into the NCAA tournament. Yeah. There's only so much moving you can do, though. You know, And assuming Lenardi's right. Um, well, the bracket matrix has them an 8. The bracket matrix takes the average of 100-plus online brackets. Yeah. So the so, general consensus seems to be 8-9 right now. And, and, and the, the, the way Lenardi has them slotted, they'd wind up playing Baylor in the second round. <laughs> and there's there's a couple teams in the country you don't want to play, and Gonzaga's one of them, Baylor's the other. And, and maybe you guys feel there's a third or a fourth. So 
get off the eight nine line. <laughs> you right. know, right. it's like the first, even if you go backwards, even if you drop to ten, <laughs> yeah. just get off that eight nine line. Yeah, no, there's a. Uh, it reminds me of 2017 and 2018, right? They open up against Wisconsin first time under Buzz, and then if they'd won that, they would have. I want to say Kansas. That was like the best eight nine seed ever. Wisconsin. Yeah. Didn't they a, go to the Final Four that year? They did. Yeah, they made. I was a really good team. And so, um, not only were they good, but they were a bad matchup for Virginia. Right. Oh no, they would have played Villanova. Then the next year, uh, Tech played Alabama, lost, and then if should have won. won. Tech didn't play well that game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they would have played the number one seed there. So they would have played Villanova again. Yeah, and Villanova, man. You know, I know we've talked about this before. Sitting there in Pittsburgh and and watching them just roll Radford. Oh, and I was a. Uh, I was in the tunnel as the Radford players were coming off the court after the game, and they were all laughing and smiling. <laughs> it's like they were just amazed by the talent that they just played. Now, that said, I remember wanting to play Villanova. That was the team I wanted to play because Villanova, you know, Tech wasn't a big team under Buzz, and, and Villanova is, generally speaking, not, not a big team. Yeah. So I thought Tech matched up better against them. I remember watching others. that Villanova-Radford game and saying to myself, wouldn't it be something if the Radford Highlanders were the first 16 to beat a one seed? And uh, then, of course, later that day or the next day was the UMBC yeah. we, upset over. We sat at, oh gosh, what's the famous uh, restaurant? Permani Brothers. Permani Brothers and watched that game. And to show you what what a basketball town the city of Pittsburgh is, and I say that sarcastically. <laughs> we were the only person in the entire place watching the NCAA tournament. Everybody else was glued to the Pittsburgh Penguins hockey game. I was going to say, there's a hockey oh, yeah. game going yeah. on. Yeah, so, so I remember that. We were sitting there at the at the, the quote-unquote bar at Permanente Brothers, and, and I was watching the game, and Chris was to my left, and some girl was chatting him up on the other side of him. And I just remember after a while elbowing Chris and going, uh, you should you should turn and watch this because I kept expecting UVA to come back and they never did. What I remember is, yeah, I mean, UNBC was winning and you're like, okay, UVA is going to turn it on. And That's then, fun. You've had and, and, and then UNBC gets up by 10. Oh, okay. Yeah, still UVA is going to turn it on. And then they're up by 15 and you're like, UVA is just not going to turn it on, are they? They There comes that moment where you're like, wow, this is really happening. But I think we all <laughs> thought if a 16 would ever beat a one, right? I don't know if anybody ever thought we'd see it in our lifetime, but – You'd probably think it's a close game. Buzzer beater. Buzzer beater. And that was like a blowout. I mean. So it would not surprise me. We we talk about this. Is it a 17-game losing streak to Louisville? It wouldn't surprise me if when Virginia Tech finally beats Louisville, but they beat them by 15 or 20 Oh, that'll be a great day. Yeah. Yeah. Give you Um, plenty of time to celebrate there at the end. Exactly. Uh, And, you know, the thing is, UVA won the national championship the next year. Yeah. Yeah. It sort of reminds me of like 1995 when Tech started 0-2 and lost to Cincinnati. Or or when they started 0-2 in 2010 and lost to JMU. Yeah. But then, you know, they won out after those tough losses. So it's kind of like that was – that was UVA's Cincinnati game or their JMU game. And, and for them, you know, I'm, I'm not a UVA fan, but for them, I imagine you, I, I would be more inclined to be able to just laugh at the UMBC. Oh, loss who cares? Because they went back and won. Right, because, yeah, year. I mean, I, I'd, I'd laugh at the JMU game, and but I get angry when I think about the Boise State game. Which right, the JMU game doesn't upset me. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, also, one final thought, I'll never forget watching UVA's first-round game the following year, the, the opening round against Gardner-Webb, one sixteen, the year they won the national championship, and they were trailing, I want to say, by like seven or eight at halftime. Yeah. And I remember sitting there texting my dad and said, no way. Not Could again. you imagine? Yeah. 
Uh, just, not even just the fact that it's UVA, but any 16. Yeah. Team, I mean, losing to a 16 consecutive years, just the story that that would be. So Man, that is a stain you would never no. escape if you did it two years. <laughs> so sp- speaking of the NCAA tournament, let's close men's basketball talk by talking about this. If the Hokies make the tournament, which all signs are pointing to, they will, it'll be the first time in school history that they have made four consecutive NCAA tournaments. And before anybody asks, the NCAA has come out and said you cannot count anything from last year in terms of the NCAA tournament. It did not happen. So even though the Hokies would not have made the tournament last year and they lost in the ACC tournament, it does not count. So yeah, first time four I, years in a row, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2021. However you look at it, it would all, even if you counted last year, now personally, like I don't want to claim that because – we went 16 and 16 last year. We weren't going to make the And play. lost in the ACC tournament. So you know Tech wasn't going. Right, exactly. So you kind of put an asterisk next to it. Just like like if Tech had accepted a bowl bid this past year. Okay, great. They can right. still put that on their graphics on Twitter and everything. But to me, it's got an asterisk next to it, right? Um, but that being said, even if you say, oh, they made it four out of five years, that's, that's still the best run in school history as far as I know. Um, it's 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 pretty incredible. Like if you go back to to Buzz's second year at Tech when Tech won twenty games and made the NIT, so they won twenty games for four straight years with three NCAA tournaments and a Sweet Sixteen, and then they dropped back to sixteen and sixteen last year with a bunch of freshmen, and this year they're going to the NCAA tournament again. Only fifteen wins, but would have been twenty plus in a regular year with a full non-conference slate. So you basically you're you're talking about a perennial twenty win team now is what the tech basketball's program has turned into. And 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 until the very end, that's where Seth had gotten them. Yeah, I, I remember Seth, was, Seth couldn't get couldn't get them into the NCAA tournament though. Right, right. There was a four year stretch though where they won something like eighty eight games over four years. Oh yeah, and didn't that was the whole Delaney Allen era? Yeah, basically. Yeah. So uh, twenty wins is twenty. Generally, twenty wins will get you into the tournament. Um, so twenty wins is great as long as you make the tournament. Otherwise, it's just kind of like ugh, that was kind of a waste. Yeah, we we yeah. could rehash that. Yeah, that's that's nice. Nice. Let's, let's yeah. leave it on a yeah, positive note. But anyways, big week for Virginia Tech men's basketball again. They uh, open up uh, the ACC tournament on Thursday, and it will play the likely winner of North Carolina and Notre Dame. So, well, uh, assuming Notre Dame. Beats, beats Wake, Wake Forest. Go Wake Forest. Maybe Wake Forest <laughs> wins two games, and, and that's who Tech opens up with in the yes. quarterfinals. You know, Steve Forbes for gets some playing. I mean, yeah. yeah, all right. So, all right, let's <laughs> Isaiah transition. Isaiah Wilkins dropping 20 per game. <laughs> uh, let's transition from men's basketball to women's basketball here on episode 170 of the Tech Sideline podcast. Mm-hmm. They close the ACC tournament this past week. Uh, Virginia Tech women's basketball, 14-9, 8-8 league play. Of course, they had that long winning streak in the ACC of – Five games. They had never done that before. They turned their season around. They beat Miami by eight points in the second round. They fought hard with North Carolina State, a different NC State team with the best player in the league in Elizabeth Cunane on their side. So, Will, their season's over. And according to Charlie Cream, it looks like they're in. They're on that 8-9 line. And Charlie's Charlie, got whatever them. his last name is. <clears throat> and Char- Charlie <laughs> Cream. And, and if they wind up where Charlie says they're going to wind up, they would have UConn in the second round if they were to uh, – to win that, I don't remember who he had him matched up against. Uh, I remember it was a name that that was interesting for some reason. Uh, 
Maryland? No, the men were matched up against Maryland by Lenardi. I can't wow. remember who the women were. Yeah, that, that would, would that be would, fun. That would be fun. That would be fun in a regular year. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. You know, it's it's the, not a uh, like year. that's a, that's the thing. And I guess you could talk. This is relative men's and women's, but in the past, it's not all. You're not, you're not only going into selection Sunday thinking about oh, what seed am I going to be, or are we getting in, or anything like that. But it's where are we going to play. Yeah. Or are we going to play – Tech has played recently. Should I travel to that? Tech is yeah, – right. I remember, like, I was going to go mm-hmm. – I wanted to go to Buffalo for the Tech-Wisconsin game, but that snowstorm came yeah. in on the East Coast. You remember? Yep. Oh, the entire East Coast. And then we went to the Pittsburgh. Yep. Um, and then the next – and then the Sweet 16 year, they played in California for their first two games. Yeah. And I almost went, but then I banked on them – yeah, they're going to get there and go to the Sweet 16, in which case they're playing in D.C. Yep. So I need to save my money for that because, yeah, a ticket to the Sweet 16 costs me you like gotta be able to pay 500 bucks or something like that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but uh, back to the women. Um, so that's the and, – and we've talked about this on the podcast, of course. If and when they make the NCAA tournament, that's both teams making it for the first time in, in Virginia Tech history. And – uh, they were correct me if I'm wrong, but at one point they were two and seven in the ACC, right? Correct. Yeah, and they finished eight and eight. Yep. So, and you think about those close. I mean, they won a lot of close games, and um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like this is a team though. And you've got Liz Kitley, who's a top five finalist for the Lisa Leslie Award, as one of the best centers in the country. And Shepard, I mean, this is a team that shoots the three ball well, right? Was, What's this, the key ingredient to to winning multiple games in a row? It's it, good three point shooting, mm-hmm. right? Which if they get hot. Yeah, sure. Uh, they've already proven they can beat NC State, even without NC State's best player. And I thought they hung in there pretty well mm-hmm. in the ACC tournament, considering Shepard was hurt. Right. She played what she played, 38 minutes, but only went 2 of 15. I kind of wish they had just not played her and rested that ankle and made sure she's as close to 100% as possible for the NCAA tournament. But, you know, what's done is done now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, considering her ineffectiveness because of her injury – they hung in there extremely well. So I was uh, I was out of town this weekend and didn't really get a chance to really watch anything. So watching her, Evan, how does she look? I mean, was it was she gimpy? Uh, what did, what did you think? Um, I got to watch the Miami game. I did not get to watch NC State because I was calling baseball. Um, and I'll be honest with you, she got hurt. I want to say kind of early in the Miami game, and I didn't see her play a ton. But I thought the team played really well without her because they were up double digits against Miami. Then they came back a little bit, but Kayla King was knocking down some threes. Mm-hmm. Kitley played really well inside against Miami. I thought they actually played really well without Shepard. Um, I just got score updates throughout the baseball game of what they were doing. It, it sounds like you got to watch though, Chris. I mean, just um, the, it was competitive. It was close, and um, I know statistically won the best day for Shepard, but uh, knowing her and the competitor that she is. She wouldn't miss that game for the world. I sure, mean, she it's, wanted it's, that it's game. It's hard to tell a player you're not playing, right? Today. You know, yeah. as, a, as a graduate, I would have done it. For, I would have done it for football a couple of times, <laughs> as right. we've covered. But yeah. mm-hmm. so, um, so yeah, that, wouldn't that be something too to get back into Castle Coliseum this fall? Hopefully, have fans in the stands, right? And then to be able to unveil both NCAA tournament banners yeah. together, like that would be a really cool moment. Yep, to unveil both of those. So yeah, and, and you know, the the women haven't been since 2006, and they were going to go last year. Yeah. So uh, and that's impressive thing about that's, that's so that's two years in a row essentially that they would have gotten to the tournament under under Coach Brooks. Yep. So, um, speaking of fans, hmm. 
We're going to have a great conversation come up. We're going to step aside here. But when we come back, the 18th ranked Virginia Tech baseball program, they're rising in the polls. That's updated. 18th ranked Virginia Tech baseball program won their first ever series against North Carolina this weekend. A big deal, top 25 matchup, and there were loud Hokies in the stands who made a difference this weekend. We'll talk about the baseball team and the impact of Hokie Nation returning in Blacksburg. We'll talk about that coming up. Episode 170 of the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by Campus Emporium, the Southeast Regional Training Center, and Anytime Fitness. Welcome back to episode 170 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. So great to have you with us, whether you're watching or listening. Recording on Monday afternoon, March 8th. Evan Hughes alongside Chris Coleman, Will Stewart, Jake Lyman behind the scenes. If you have a question for Will or Chris, go ahead and drop it in the YouTube chat. And while you're at it, it doesn't matter if you're watching archived. Please hit the like and subscribe button. We greatly appreciate it. The Tech Sideline Podcast is presented by Campus Emporium. Proud to sponsor the TSL community. A portion of every sale is returned to Virginia Tech in support of its endowment for excellence, student programming, and need-based scholarships. We have been serving the Virginia Tech community for over 25 years from our locations in Blacksburg and our online store. Please visit the number one source for Virginia Tech merchandise at CampusEmporium.com. That's CampusEmporium.com or come see us at 207 North Main Street or 1337 South Main Street. All right, so we transitioned from talking about basketball to talking about something that we have wanted to discuss for a long time. It's been a long time coming, and that is the return of Hokie Nation um, cheering in the stands, a live sporting event for the first time in a year. And it all culminated into the fans returning for a top 25 series between 24th-ranked Virginia Tech 25th ranked North Carolina. No program since 2001 besides UCLA has won more games in college baseball than the North Carolina Tar Heels. Is that right? That's quite the stat. Virginia Tech 0-14-1 all time in series against the Tar Heels. Virginia Tech baseball, they're building it in Blacksburg, folks. This has been a big start to the year after taking two of three from 6th ranked Miami and Coral Gables. And how did the Hokies follow it up this weekend at home? They take game one 10-6 after trailing 6-1. They exploded for a seven-run fifth inning. They win game two, 6-4, and they drop game three, but they take their first ever series. Chris, I had the pleasure of being there for all three and calling all three games. I know you watched a lot. Uh, Will, you were following along. But Virginia Tech baseball, Chris, I think it's really fair. This is a very legit team that's going to win a lot of games this year yeah seems to be they're certainly hitting the ball very well uh more home runs this weekend you know i was uh driving by the stadium at one point on friday and like every late winter early spring day in blacksburg the wind was blowing hard out to center field and you kind of see it's kind of it's blowing out to center but it's it's going from right field towards left field so you see the ball carry that way a lot and and that's where you saw some of those home runs go over the weekend too it gets up in that jet stream and just keeps going and uh and i think it maybe there were a couple plays where i thought especially that triple that was right over the center fielder's head Mm -hmm. i I thought it surprised him the carry of the ball it just kept going and going and going and he probably thought it was going to be a fairly routine fly ball uh so i i'm impressed with what tech has done so far 
you know, at, at one point when they got down on Saturday, I was like, sweet, got them right where we want them. We're losing. <laughs> right. You know? It's I, I, don't, I don't know what I would do if – now we've got to figure out our reactions when we take a lead. Like if we're the first team to score and we're up after like five innings. Yeah, because and, that, and, even, and even the same thing happened on Sunday. They got down. Was it four uh, nothing, five nothing? And then they come right back, bottom two, and score five right, runs and right. took a, a five four lead, which went away after the third, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's start on Friday. We'll talk about Hokie Nation here in a minute. The difference. I want to talk about the games itself for a moment, and then talk about the crowd because it was one of the storylines of the weekend. It was the loudest I have ever called a baseball game. I've had the pleasure of calling over two hundred baseball games in three and a half years. A lot of them in Minnesota. But this was the loudest environment I have ever been a part of for a baseball Including series. this St. Saint, Saint Cloud Rocks? Is that what they're called? Including, Including the all the games you've done for them, this was the best time. And there have been some great crowds. No, I hope nobody from the Rocks are listening right now because there have been some great crowds up there. I'll be the first, I mean, We've had 2,000 fans born. This, and there have been some loud moments. But the difference was in this weekend, and we'll talk about it in just a moment, is just that it felt like a playoff game. And it felt like North Carolina and Virginia Tech, these two heavy, it felt like a heavyweight fight. Hmm. on Friday and Saturday. And the big reason why, let's start on Friday here, Chris. So, low-scoring game early. Peyton Alford is a graduate student who thought he was going to have his final season of college baseball taken away because of the pandemic last year. He's a guy who came in after a JUCO. He was a bullpen guy. They made him a spot starter. Now he's in the weekend rotation. Hmm. Four and a third innings pitched. Career high, 10 strikeouts. Tech struck out. 21 batters Friday night, right? So 21 of 27. Out of 27. Yeah, yeah. Which is a program record. And again, I I think I talked about this a little bit last week. To to win in Blacksburg, you have to build a pitching staff that can get ground balls and miss bats. Because as Virginia Tech is showing offensively, if you get the ball up high in the outfield with the weather in Blacksburg and the elevation, it's going to carry. So you got to keep the ball on the ground and you got to miss bats. And, and so when you strike out 21 of 27 batters, your pitch count's going to be higher. You're only going to last four and a third or, or whatever. But it, it's hard to score when you're, when, when you're striking out every yeah. time. And, right? for, and yeah. this is a good offense in North Carolina. I mean, Justice Thompson yeah. came in there, 300 hitting 520 on the year. Right. Um, and yeah. this is also a North Carolina team who just beat Virginia in two or three games last week in a top 25 team. They won like 3-2 two, and 2-1. Two, so they've been winning some low-scoring games. Right. Uh, but real quick, so four and a third, that's what, 13 outs? And 10 of the 13 for Alford, the mm-hmm. lefty, were punch outs. So that's, that's right on par with 21 out of 27, same ratio. He was terrific. So 21 strikeouts in the game Friday is a program ACC record. Uh, we'll go ahead and mention this as well. They struck out over 41 batters as a staff this weekend. That's a program record in a series. So, so right. what is the ACC record for strikeouts in one game? In an ACC, in an ACC series. I would love to know uh, the answer. Or, or in that. a game. Like, yeah. if, Tech's, if Tech struck out 21 out of 27, I mean, that's got to be approaching the record, you would think. Yeah, you know, you, you start getting up around 18, 19, 20, 21 strikeouts. Oof. That's an insane number. Never, whether it's an individual doing that right, or whether it's a staff doing that, that's a number. You just don't see that very often. And then they come back the next day and strike out 15. Right, which was – and I tell you what, but a lot of the credit goes to the bullpen too because Alford was great on Friday. Um, Chris Gerard was gritty on Saturday. It wasn't his best performance in the box score, but he battled through some jams and was really good. And then Simonelli on Sunday. But back to Friday real quick. So it's this back-and-forth game, and Alford strikes out 10. He leaves – 
Bullpen struggles a little bit. Matthew Siverling comes in. He hadn't given up a run all year. Gives up a three-run home run. There were some runners on in his first plate appearance. So Hokies get out of this inning, and they're down 6-1. And it's the first big deficit they faced all year. They faced two against Miami, two come from behind wins last weekend. But I don't think they ever got down more than three the entire weekend. And they respond by batting through their lineup, scoring seven runs, and the moment of the game, really, and Coach Chef told me this on Saturday, that the biggest hit of the game with two down, Tanner Schobel, this true freshman who has just been a stud, he leads Tech in home runs, I believe, and RBIs. Hits a two-run triple off the wall in center. Ties the game. And then in the next at-bat, Cade Hunter, two-run bomb to right. Puts Tech up 8-6. I mean, it was just, it was electric. It really yeah, was. Yeah, I bet the fans are going nuts. So let's talk about the fans here from it. So only 250 fans have been allowed into Castle Coliseum in the winter. And there were players, parents, and right, and a few and a few friends of the program and things like that. Yeah, so so let's set the table. The governor came out and said that you could have up to 1,000 fans in an outdoor venue, and that's, that's where Tech set their attendance. So I went and did the research, and the last full season they played was 2019. They had 29 home games. I don't know if you saw me tweet this out, Evan. They had 29 home games that year. Only four of them did the attendance go over 1,000. I'm not even sure how they count the weekday games, though, because weekday games are free. They don't sell tickets. Only ACC games they sell tickets to. So I don't know. When you're letting – for those weekday games, when they let people in for free, I don't know how they count them. They, they were listing uh, attendance as 100, oh, they, 200, 500, right. that sort of thing. Uh, right. So, but yeah. but I don't think at Virginia Tech you're going to get over a thousand fans for a weekday game. No, you're not. Yeah, you're so, not. You're not. That's what I'm. Yeah. yeah. So so four <laughs> went over a thousand, um, and a couple of those were like eleven or twelve hundred, and none of them went over fifteen hundred. I think. Mm-hmm. So when you say you're going to allow a thousand fans into Atlantic Union. Uh, Bank Stadium, you know, Eng- English Park, English Field. <laughs> English Field at Atlantic Union Bank Park. See, since you call the games, you have to be able to deliver it properly. God, wait till I win the lottery one day, and it's <laughs> going to be English Field at Atlantic Union Bank Park at the Chris, Chris Coleman, Coleman Baseball Complex. complex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we need to clip that and put that on Twitter. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, I lost my train of thought. So, so that's a that that's a lot of people, relatively speaking. What do you know? What the capacity is off the top of your head? I want to say it's just over four thousand. You know, it's it's. I don't. There's not an official number of seats because the terrace area out in third base and left field, yeah. right? You just bring your chair in there, or you just sit on the cement sit on or the whatever. Um, so I don't know what I don't know if I've ever actually seen an official capacity. Well, and I know I know that the, the the grand opening after the renovations, there were a bunch of people there for that Friday night game. I want to say against Louisville, against Louisville a couple of yeah. years ago. But yeah. um, so so I'm looking down, and I had the pleasure of filling in for Brian Johnson this weekend on, on the Virginia Tech Sports Network, and I look down, and there are just about twenty to thirty students, especially um, that are screaming, and uh, and it, I mean, like you know, every clap with two strikes before a strikeout, but they are just rowdy. And so uh, in the first game, I mean, that fifth inning when they scored seven runs, the place felt like it was 4,000 people full and the let's go Hokies chance. But then best part about these students were they were looking up the North Carolina players on Instagram 
finding their significant others' names <laughs> and chanting them. I mean, it was more than just let's go Hokies. I mean, the North Carolina players, you could feel the like intensity of not just these two teams playing, two top 25 teams, but how badly North Carolina wanted to play because of our fans – and right. it was it was rowdy. I mean, it, in a good way. I mean, it was everything you would want in a baseball environment. We had this weekend. So so let me jump in and fill in some other things because I I did I listened to some of it a little bit on the radio. I watched uh, Sunday. I watched a fair amount of of Sunday's game. So some of the things this, the students were doing is when a North Carolina batter struck out, <clears throat> they would do the left right left right chant all the way just back like to the dugout yeah, yeah. just like a basketball games and what what i busted up laughing at uh, on sunday was it was uh i think it was top of the second and alba was pitching for uh it may have been i think i missed the top of the fir- uh excuse me the uh the bottom of the first it may have been uh, no this is the bottom of the first so uh, so alba's pitching if i remember correctly and he walks a batter on four straight balls and so the students start chanting, ball five, ball five. And he throws, right. and he like threw it into the dirt. You know, they start chanting, ball six, ball six. And so Alba finally threw a strike on his seventh pitch. Later on, somebody walked somebody on four straight pitches, and they got all the way up through ball seven before they finally threw a strike. But that's great And then they stuff. cheer when he throws a strike. <laughs> and sl- I mean, uh, well, there's a lot of pent-up energy. So the last thing to say is, uh, I, I don't remember the exact scoring sequence on Sunday, Evan, but I believe it was 6-5 North Carolina. And then Carolina scored like three runs to go up 9-6. And when they got the hit that scored the seventh and or eighth run, the cheering that was coming from the North Carolina dugout was way too enthusiastic. It was on purpose, right. aimed at the students. Well, I think the other, I mean, there were a couple of other moments too. On Saturday, the game's tied at three, bottom six. And North Carolina brings in one of their best relievers. His name is Joey Lancelotti. And so you had a, a cluster of fans and, and right behind the plate. And then you had a cluster of fans standing behind the cattle gates behind the third base dugout of the Hokies. There was about 20 of them. And before every pitch with both both arms in the air, it was Joey. Jo- every, I mean, just but screaming. And I'm telling you, it just – I think it made a difference. And I said on the – I felt like Hokie Nation was bottled up for 365 days. Yeah. His, his and last, it just exploded absolutely. this weekend. A lot of pent-up energy, man. So his last name was Lancelotti. But they were, we kept going by Joey. Well, I would drop the I if I were him. Yeah, Lancelot. Lancelot. I mean, that – be a much more ideal yes. last name. So and it was just, but, um, but yes, a lot of pent up energy. So think about like, please God, let there be full capacity in Lane Stadium this year because that oof. means there will be a lot of pent up energy for that for that game against UNC to start the season. Oh and that goodness. is a Monday night game, right? That's right. Mm. Or is it Thursday night? Or Thursday? It's Thursday or Friday. Thursday or Friday. Yeah, It'll be a primetime game of some yeah. capacity. It's at night. That's the only thing that matters yes. to me. So, anyways, yeah. I was uh, – and I, I tell you what, I mean, Coach Jeff was alluding to – I had a chance to talk to some of the coaches and the players. I mean, that was the topic of discussion on Friday – or Saturday was just the fans and just how he, just how loud it was. Jeff tweeted a lot – well, not a lot. Well, he tweeted a lot for him this weekend. And every time he did, it was about the fans. Yeah, yeah and so – so here's so looking down the road a little bit, um, you know, and and Malcolm and I were texting Friday or Saturday, and he said we're thinking about going to the game. He wound up not going, but just that they're thinking about it. So you hope that this is a thing that 
kind of catches on. So, so are you ready for the back in my day story? <laughs> um, so back in my day, the baseball field and, and younger people won't remember this. The baseball field was in between Castle Coliseum and Lane Stadium. So where the football practice field and the indoor practice facility are now, that was the baseball stadium. And uh, it uh, home plate was on the corner of like Lane Stadium and Spring Road, which is now Beamer Way. So basically kind of near where the tunnel is. Yes. Yeah. Right, right, right down near the tunnel. And once you got out beyond the right field fence, there was a hill that went up. And it, it's probably still there, hidden by the indoor practice facility. So the thing back then, and, and I was a student in the mid-'80s, the thing back then was to go sit on the hill and watch the game. You know, and I think they called the fans out there the fools on the hill. And and uh, it was in, – in, in watching and listening to what happened this weekend, the experience on the hill back in the-'80s was, I would say, more relaxed. It mm-hmm. was fun, and we made some noise – but you weren't right on top of the opposition like these kids were uh, over this weekend. Now we did, we did, uh, and I've, I've told this story to friends many times. I love it. I got I got there late for a game one time my senior year, so this would have been spring of '87. And I came down the hill uh, from the outfield, and and the scoreboard out there, Virginia Tech had just batted in the bottom of the first, and there was a ten hanging. They were playing Howard. <laughs> Howard had a zero and Tech had a ten, and I thought, did did they run out of ones or something? And they had to use a ten. No, Tech had scored ten runs, and they beat Howard that day thirty to nothing. Holy cow! And it was a lot of fun out in right field that day. Now the thing was, you could have coolers with beer, so you know it was fun. And so I remember sitting out there, and uh, Howard had this right fielder. I still remember his name. His name was Glenn Abraham. And uh, so you, that was the thing. You'd ride the other team's right fielder. And at one point long about the fifth or sixth inning, uh, you know, Howard's out there out, out there playing defense and they're getting ready to pitch. And, and I don't remember what somebody said, but Howard was leaned over on his knees and you could just see him tuck his head and start laughing. And he made the quote-unquote mistake of turning around and looking at the hill. Can't do it. And then it was <laughs> oh, over. No. Then it was over. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> so they were riding Glenn Abraham, and I remember he came out. Uh, he came out one time before an inning, and I ran up and 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 yelled at him right at the fence. And he came out to the fence and shook my hand, and then went in and played the inning. But the really fun part came in said, since they were getting shelled thirty to nothing. Sure enough, late in the game, they pulled him from right field to pitch. And no. my memory may be exaggerating, but I think he struck out the side. I know he huh. threw at least one strikeout, and when he struck out a Tech batter, the hill went nuts, cheering for him. <laughs> so this is the kind of stuff that used to happen out on the hill back well, in the 80s. And know? those are the things that happen at baseball games because baseball season is so long and you play so many games that you can't get wrapped up in the result of one game. So you can have fun even if you're losing or something bad yeah. happens to your team. Right? Yeah. Yep. Well, it does sound like more people are, are going to become. I saw one of the people after the game who was part of the students, and they said, we're going to be here all year. And they, they've already working on getting There's to, nothing else to do. Well, right? and, uh, and and I told you yesterday there were people wearing uh, – somebody had a sombrero on, yeah. somebody had a cowboy hat. There was a broom that was put right behind home plate because the Hokies were going for the sweep. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was just a very – and I will say I was talking to Damien Souse because they allowed some uh, students in 
And those went on sale, or not on sale, like they claimed them at midnight on Friday. And I'm going to get this wrong, but I know that they all, I think like 200, 250 were gone in three minutes by 12.03. And then they allowed another 100 in, I want to say Saturday, and those went on at midnight, and they were gone in less than 90 seconds. So it's a lot. And I think it's a culmination of two things, right? You've been bottled up for, you know, trying to get to a hockey game, you get in. And when you're winning, like Virginia Tech baseball is, it's a perfect. And let, let me point out that if you try to go to the game, Let's say you try to go to the game Friday against Florida State, which, by the way, is going to be great weather. Huge high, series, high too. High of 68 on Friday against Florida State. We try to that If you go to that game and you don't get in because it's first come, first served. And yeah, you can't buy ahead of time. Right, right. right. Uh, if you can't get in, that doesn't mean you still can't watch the game live because you can just stand behind the fence, bring your lawn right. chair. Uh, you, I see so many people doing that in a regular year. And and when they built that stadium in, in homage to the hill that I was talking about back in the day, they actually mm-hmm. built a mound up out there. You can drag a chair up there yeah. and sit and watch the game Absolutely. from behind the outfield Absolutely, fence. yeah. And uh, so just even if you can't get in the stadium, if you don't feel comfortable going into the stadium, then you there's still you can still yeah. watch the game very very safely yeah. from the confines of that hill behind the fence. And you yeah. mentioned a tremendous um, opportunity this weekend. You talk about playing some of the best early. Take care of Miami, who's in the top ten still. You take care of North Carolina, who's historically one of the best. Now you've got Florida State coming in. So this is a big series this weekend. And uh, Justin Thomas points out in the YouTube chat two things: a Batman was apparently in the stand shown on the ACC oh, Network extra yesterday. Did not realize that. That's awesome. Uh, and then, two, he goes, not a question, but you guys should mention just how young this Tech baseball team. That's a great point. Who's a freshman that hit a couple homers this week? Help me out. Chobel. Help me out here, Count, real quick. I'm going to go through all the fresh redshirt freshmen or freshmen that are playing significant innings. Cade Hunter started fresh, uh, starting catcher, redshirt freshman. TJ Rumfield, starting first baseman, redshirt freshman. Tanner Schobel, true freshman at second base. Fritz Genther, redshirt freshman at shortstop. Ooh, ooh, I like that. That's crazy. Now, that's going to lead to some mistakes this year. And, and a lot I, of the COVID, the redshirt, by the way. Right, so right. Kate, Hunter and <clears throat> Genther and Rumfield are all <clears throat> right. COVID redshirts. Right, and I, I like I like that that starting uh, middle infield is, is, young. is young, and they're going to have three or four years together, yep. you know, depending on the major league draft, to build that chemistry. And they will get better defensively. I guess uh, two series in, you know, the more you play, the more you figure out your strengths and the more you figure out your weaknesses too. And I, I would say right now this team's weakness is, is defense. Yes. Yeah, so that, that that's where they can make the most improvements. Yeah, how so. can you strike out 21 and yet still give up, what, six runs or right. something like that? Right. And there, there, were, there were some on errors. On Friday night? There were some errors on the infield. In yesterday's game, that cost Tech the game. Yeah, th- those yeah. those were tough balls to field, though. And can't forget about Jack Hurley as well, who had his first career home run, a true freshman center fielder, first career home run on Friday, and then had a three run homer yesterday to tie it in the second. So, yeah. anyways, I mean, there's just a lot He's a freshman of. Too. Um, Hurley is a true freshman, so you can't get out of here without telling the Tanner Schobel story. I I I can't get out of here without telling it. Um, I don't, I don't think I told you about this, Chris. So, uh, yesterday's game, I'm, I'm out driving around and I'm listening to it on the radio and Evan, you did play by play Saturday night, right? I did. Yes. Yep. 
Uh, Friday and Saturday. Yeah, so on Sunday you were on the radio doing color. And who was doing the play-by-play? Brian Johnson. <clears throat> so on on Saturday, Tanner Schobel hits a home run, first career home run, and you called it. And mm-hmm. you put that up on SoundCloud, and I listened to it. On Sunday, Schobel's batting, and Brian Johnson says – um, you know, even if Schobel's here another three or four years, he will never forget that moment yesterday, his first home run. And he's joking around with you and he says, he'll never forget the play-by-play guy who called it. <laughs> and, and so you're like, oh, it was great. It was, it was an electric moment. And Brian says, tell you what, if he hits another one out, I'll let you call it. I am not kidding. Within two seconds you hear on the radio, ping, <laughs> and Evan Hughes starts calling a home run. For Tanner show. One of the craziest moments. Uh, like individ- I mean, he literally said, you call it. Ping. I mean, it was like, and then I just jumped in and called wow. it. High fly ball, straight away left. And I had some people listening, and Will texted me too and said, initially they thought it was a I thought they were rerun the clip from the night before. Playing the highlight of it last night, but it was, I mean, just right on cue. So, But, but no, when Evan said, his second home run in two days, I was like, holy cow, that just that happened was live. live. And so, by the way, at the end of that too, the, the, the sledgehammer, we yeah. can't forget about it. Got to talk about the sledgehammer. Real quick, someone put it out on Twitter this week that the sledgehammer has dethroned the turnover chain as the best prop in sports. I think Barstool put that out. I mean, Virginia Tech got a lot of Major publicity. League Baseball tweeted out. A Major video. League Baseball tweeted that out on their official yep, Twitter, Twitter account. account. Yeah. So there's a lot of really good PR for the program this way, but... Yeah, maybe so. We- so, if, so let's talk about that. If, if you haven't seen it, and I'll tell you what I like about it. It, it is yes, it is a uh, contrived has negative connotations. It is a it is a thing they do every time they hit a home run. So it's choreographed. So the 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 batter who hits the home run comes around third, crosses the plate, and as he approaches the dugout, and this is for those of you that haven't seen it, as he approaches the dugout, the entire team has come up out of the dugout, and somebody's holding a sledgehammer, and they toss it to him. And he catches it in the air, and it's one smooth motion. You catch the bottom, grab the top, slam it into the turf, and let it go. And it's everyone this, jumps up as you throw it down, so yeah. it's all one and motion. So it's it's very quick. It is, as I said, choreographed, but it has the look of something that's spontaneous, and that's what's so cool about it. It's not insulting. They don't do a choreographed dance for 15 seconds or, or anything ridiculous like that. It's just really quick and really energetic. Yeah, no, it's all. It's really cool as a broadcaster too to just lay out on TV or radio and just let the crowd noise and the guys all. You know, just that ten seconds of you audio hear is it, awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, anyway, so big. Uh, so Hokies have VCU on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then a weekend series against Florida State. All right, we will get to everybody's questions here in just a moment. Quickly, want to run through other sports quick notes. Um, Fortunately, a couple of teams right now are on COVID pauses at the moment. Let's start with Virginia Tech, who is still in the top 20 in softball. Uh, their midweek game against uh, Virginia this week has been uh, moved to a different date. However, they didn't say anything about this weekend's game, so hope they've been on a pause for about a week now. So, so someone hoping. asked Chip on the board. Chip Chip is dialed in, and somebody asked him on the Olympic sports board, and he said, I'm pretty sure they're going to play Friday. But that's just a guy, you know. So I think things are trending in that direction. Uh, lacrosse is currently on a COVID pause. Volleyball was supposed to have their first matches of the spring this past weekend. They are currently on a pause. However, uh, men's soccer had their first home match of the year. They lost 4-2, but I don't know if anybody saw the bicycle kick from Jacob Labovitz. It Whoa. made Sports Center top 10. That? So lost to Duke. Andrew Weber also scored. Mm-hmm. 
Women's soccer, their first match of the spring yesterday, 2-1 win over Charlotte. Emily Gray and Nicole Kozlova had goals. And real quick, back to men's soccer. Jake Lyman, who's behind the scenes today producing his first ACC Network Extra broadcast this weekend. He called Duke, Virginia Tech with Emily Gray this weekend. So big shout-out to Jake. Um, He called called the bicycle kick. Ah, cool. So it was awesome. We had two SMA, sports media analytics majors, and Jake and Emily, too, calling that. So, So, Jake, who made the bicycle kick famous? Pele. Uh, it wasn't, yeah, Pele. Yeah, I'm, I'm good a guess as any. <laughs> yeah, you and I were talking about this the yeah. other day. Well, I we, showed you uh, when a Tottenham player scored on a uh, bicycle kick in the game the other week. I showed it to you, and then we started talking about the bicycle so, kick. So I, I sat down in my comfy recliner and pulled out my pipe and told Chris all about Pele back, back <laughs> in the 70s. But before America was playing soccer, we American kids knew who Pele was because you'd see a, a video of him – kicking a goal with that bicycle kick and you just couldn't believe a human being could do that you know modern era it's it's just like duncan there's a whole bunch of people that can do it and still then, doesn't happen very often in that sport yeah very it, rare it is it is still a cool thing to yeah. see. tweet of the weekend by the way uh the sports information director for hokies men tennis will copeland and all caps it's all about the who question mark oh yeah um, who Virginia, did they beat <laughs> they beat miami this weekend five two and uh let me give some details of this for men's tennis real quick Hokies beat 39th ranked miami Hokies were also ranked 39th matt ross defeated the 34th player in the country while playing court one is the number one seed because mitch harper our traditional number one is out and freshman ryan fishbach the number three recruit in 2020 beat the 64th ranked player in the country so Big weekend for men's tennis, and I uh, thought I would share with that. So anytime, anytime you well, beat Miami, right, well, you got to bring was, that up. There was a great graphic tweeted out by Virginia Tech this year with all of the ranked teams. Oh, yeah, we gotta we gotta pull that. Yeah, up you know there. what? I've got it right here. Give Do me you? two seconds. Okay. So right now, and this is this has not been updated because baseball is actually up to twelfth right now, and at least one of the ba- baseball in America has them up to twelve. And D one baseball's got them at eighteen. Okay, okay. So this isn't quite updated. Here we go. But this is as of this was on Friday. Weekend, they tweeted yeah, this out. Yep. Yeah. So here we go. Virginia Tech wrestling, number three in the country. Virginia Tech men's swimming and diving, ranked 13th. Virginia Tech men's soccer, 13th. Hokie softball, 15th. Virginia Tech women's swimming and diving, 15th. Hokies lacrosse, 15th. Men's track and field, 16th. Women's track and field, 17th. Men's basketball, 22nd. And baseball, that was 24th, now up to 18 or 12. So, And women's soccer could certainly be in there yep. at some point. That's, uh, that's incredible. Too bad they're not doing the Director's Cup this year. You know, when, when COVID shut down sports last year, Tech was 18th in the Director's Cup. Which and I think, really which is easily, the, easily, you know, the best they've ever done. Yeah. So we actually could see some sort of a Virginia Tech record this year if they were actually doing the Director's Cup this year. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's transition and get to some questions here. I do want to note real quick, we see some football questions, and no, we're getting fired up for spring practice. We're going to start talking more hokey football on the podcast. We'll be doing some position previews here shortly. Um, yeah, we, we have to find out when spring practice uh, starts. It's on my kind of, to-do list today, actually. Yeah, I was telling then, him so yesterday. We're going to time some previews, and Evan and I were even tossing around the idea of doing two podcasts a week instead of just one. And splitting up you know, a little shorter podcast, do football-based and everything else. So, And by the way, we didn't really talk a ton of wrestling today. We've got some questions on that there. NCAA championships coming up. So yeah. let's get to everybody's questions. First of all, Josh Park, the popcorn looks amazing. Yeah, I think Chris did a lot of damage on his. I did. I'm going to save mine for later. 
Uh, Jacob Yates, hey, fellas. Uh, wanted to see if I could get a quick question on football recruit. Looks like Virginia Tech has a real shot at Gunnar Givens. Just mm. curious about thoughts. I think in a normal year, Virginia Tech would have a great shot with Gunnar Givens. But I, I, I just think this year with everything that happened this past year and when you read every article about the program and Fuente on the proverbial hot seat or whatever, I think it would be very difficult for Gunnar Givens to pick Virginia Tech this year. I think Tech will probably finish second or third. But but it's a long way to go, too. Um, you know, the locality, the closeness plays to Tech's advantage. But generally the, the, speaking these days, the best players go to the same five schools every year. That that would be an enormous upset, right? If if he were to come here, right? It, yeah. it would be. I, I think he and likes I don't tech. Be, I don't want to be that way, but you know. Yeah, I, I don't think it's likely. He also chimes in. I didn't realize this. Also hoping to talk about baseball being ranked number one in RPI. Oh well, they they played a t- tough schedule. Um, so obviously Miami. It's not like uh, well, it's it's not just who they've played, but it's who their opponents have played. So Miami. Before they played Tech, played a three-game series with Florida, who was like preseason number one. North Carolina played a three-game series with UVA, who was preseason top 25. Uh, I believe Kent State was picked first in their conference, right? Or their general. Kent gener- State? Yeah. They just beat Mississippi State this weekend. Oh, okay. I mean, that's right. a really – when I said it, that's a really good doubleheader win mm-hmm. over Kent State. So so it's not, it's not just who Tech has played, assuming the – Baseball RPI is like the old basketball RPI. RPI. It's also who of your opponents played, right? So, yeah, the math adds up in Virginia Tech's favor from an RPI standpoint. And that's why, I mean, they're going to the NCAA tournament this year. Even if they somehow finish with just a completely mediocre record, they're going to go based on computer numbers, I think. Um, So. At this point, uh, Georgia Tech is uh, the class of the Coastal. They're five and one, and Tech is four and two. They just beat. I didn't realize Louisville was ranked number one in the country, so that's why they are climbing up uh, wow. in one poll. So, yeah, the ACC baseball folks. I mean, those and even I mean Pittsburgh, Boston College just took a series against Auburn, Auburn this weekend yeah, in yeah, Auburn. Yeah, wow. Please. So the teams that you th- Wake Forest is a good. I mean, there's literally no oh, easy series in the ACC. There's, there's not. Like I think it's, in past years you might see Pittsburgh. Ah, oh, this is like nah, the, the ACC, no guarantees. ACC baseball is like if you take like the Yankees, the red, the Red Sox, or at least how the Red Sox used to be, the Dodgers. Uh, the Nationals, the Braves, uh, put them all in the, put same, them all in the same division, yeah. right? That 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 that's kind of what ACC baseball is like. Um, it's what ACC basketball used to be like. Well, Stewart, can you buy the same old school VT logo black pullover Mike Young and staff wear at Campus Emporium? Oh, <clears throat> the last time I traded emails with Campus Emporium about that, they were quote looking into it unquote. So, so much of that stuff, you have popcorn on your. I'm yeah. sure I do. Um, I'll put my mask on. You the, won't be able to see. A lot of that stuff, and you see this with a football program too, is with Tech's Nike contract. So much stuff gets produced, special made just for the staff and players, and is not available in stores. And which I think is ridiculous because I tried and tried and tried to get somebody in the athletic in that athletic department to steal me a grit hat or a grit shirt. And nobody ever did it. And I would, if they sold them, I would buy one, and I bet a lot of other people would buy them too. Well, you know, we seems like a missed opportunity. We we carried the grit stuff, and it sold pretty well uh, while they were winning. Right, right, right. So once Wake Forest came along, the grit stuff didn't sell as well. Right. 
Um, let's see here. A couple other questions. Any news on Makai Lewis's injury? Uh, I have not been on the uh, wrestling board to find out if there's any news. Um, so Roby will will typically do podcasts here and there with guys like Jason Bryant. And and I, I'm sorry, I, I was out of town this weekend. I was gone Friday, Saturday, you know, and, and so I'm not fully up to speed on things. Uh, last question. Justin Thomas, a fun one to look forward a little bit. Looking at next basketball season for men's hoops, what do you believe are, all caps, reasonable expectations of output for the team in terms of wins, rankings, etc.? Well, it's, so, it's difficult to ask that question these days because you don't know what the schedule is going to be. Like, it used to be when the ACC was 12 teams, you know, and you played a 16-game schedule, or – you know, you, you were going to be playing almost everybody twice. Um, but the schedules are unbalanced. You don't know who you're going to be playing twice. You don't know who – if you're playing North Carolina once, you don't know if it's going to be home or away. So it's it's very difficult to predict from that standpoint, not to mention that you don't know the non-conference <clears throat> schedule at this point. But I think considering Tech is in the NCAA tournament this year and they, they'll bring everybody back, it's a very fair expectation to finish – you know, top five in the ACC and go to the NCAA tournament again. And once you get to the NCAA tournament, you don't—I don't know what you don't know what the matchup is going to be or, or or anything like that. So, so our guy GC Hokey Thirty Four, who uh, has coached college ball and hangs out on our basketball board, um, I'm watching this because one of the things he says is that uh, I, ca- I don't remember exactly how he phrases it. But he feels like an ACC regular season championship and a Final Four. I don't want to put words in the guy's mouth, but he's he's typed this more than once. That he thinks that a regular season championship and competing for a national championship is possible for Virginia Tech next year. That's how strongly he's, he's said next couple of years. Uh, yeah. Um, so. That's those are his expectations and his respect for Mike Young and the program. I'm not going to step out on that limb. I just no. want to be a parental NCAA tournament team. Yes. But the thing is, if you go to the NCAA tournament every year or nearly every year, you will eventually break down some barriers that you haven't broken down before just by luck yeah. of the draw. Um, well, you know, it took UVA years of, of, of being a one seed and, and, and finally breaking through and winning a national championship. If you like, they were the class of the ACC for four or five years. Right. But, right. and, and getting those one seeds and two seeds, and then they finally broke through. That's right. Um, the more you get there, <laughs> you know, the, your chances of, of making the Sweet 16 if you go to the NCAA tournament once a decade like Tech used to do, well, they're not just good. Not, not very good. <laughs> but if you go three years in a row like Tech yeah. just did, you know, your, your chances increase. You got find, one Sweet like 16 out of it? Right. Yeah, right. So. yeah sure. So uh, just the perennial goal of this program to be an NCAA tournament team. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't set goals from this far ahead, at least, because I don't know who's going to transfer out. I don't know who's going to transfer in. And like I said, the schedule being unbalanced these days, we don't, we don't know how it sets up. Um, but if you just set your goal, which I think at this point is a realistic goal for the program, is go to the NCAA tournament more years than than not, and there will be some yeah. deep runs involved if you start going every year. Well, and, and the early returns certainly point towards great player development. Yes. So you take a guy like David Gasson. Oh, yeah. Solid players are freshmen. Um, 
if, if he develops like Aluma and Mutz and Hunter Couture have done under Mike Young, he would be a a Mutz caliber player next oh, year. He'll be a good player. You know, yeah. Aluma the year after that. So if, if those kind of things continue to happen, it's going to be interesting. And keep in mind that every player on this team could come back next year. But that's also true of basically every other team. But what I was just thinking about, though, is sure. So let's take Louisville, for instance. Carleek Jones could come back, but I he's would say gone. the odds of he's going to go to the NBA. Yeah. Matthew uh, Hurt, is that his name for Duke? Yeah. He could come back. He's probably going to go to the NBA. If, if, I don't. Is there anyone if, on this team if, you think that could go to the NBA after this year? No. Um, it favors programs that are good at player development. Yeah. To get right if they get players for an extra year. Like uh let's say Hunter Couture decides to play a fifth year at Virginia Tech. He will have that option one day, since this is a free year for everybody. It just means a more developed Hunter Couture. Yeah. While Coach K's best player left after one year, right. right? Uh or two years or three years or what or whatever. So I, I think I think it sets up well for Tech because Tech is proving to be a good player development program. Yeah. Well, uh, the words "Final Four National Championship" just came out of Will Stewart's mouth, quoting somebody. So we've, we look. Uh, we've, we've. This is not the first time we've talked yeah. national championship about the basketball team. That's, right. We know if Texas Tech can do it. You know. Well, they didn't do it. Well, but they made they, they made the did. championship yeah. game. Yeah. Sure. And well, Tech, Tech could have conceivably done that a couple years ago with Justin Robinson. Yeah. On a day uh, where Coach uh, Mike Young gets named uh, Coach of the Year, I guess with the popcorn in our hands, we just say, uh, well, let's close by saying get your popcorn if, ready, if, I guess, if, right? I mean, if my uh, body fat count is not good this week, I'm going to blame Mike Young's superior <laughs> coaching ability. <laughs> That'll wrap things up here. Episode 170 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Will, Chris, any departing thoughts? No, I don't think I so. I don't think so. I know it's going to be a good week for baseball. I look out the window right now on March 8th or 9th or whatever it is. Sunny. And amazingly, the wind is not blowing 50 miles an hour like it normally is. Right. It's going to be in the 60s all week. Uh, even, you know, the Tech plays VCU at home tomorrow and Wednesday. Take Thursday off and then high of 68 on Friday for Florida State. So if you go to any of those games this weekend – Go on Friday because that's going to be the best weather. The chances of rain actually increase, increase on throughout Saturday, throughout Saturday. the weekend. Yeah. But uh, um, I think we can be thankful for this weather that we're getting because it's technically still wintertime. Yeah. Yes, and uh, we will find out when spring practice is getting ready to start and uh, start doing some football-related content around that. Oh, I'm sorry. We can't close the podcast without asking. What's coming up on TSL this week, Chris Coleman? You know, it's, it's interesting. I think I'm going to take a one-week pause on my PFF grades. I was going through Twitter this morning, and, uh, you know, being the soccer fan I am, I found a retweet that, that went over, like, the like the 20th, 20th richest te- teams in the world and what percentage of their revenue comes from ticket sales, right? In other words, which ones are being impacted the most by COVID with nobody in the stands? And, of course, Tottenham was first. Right. 20, 24% of their revenue comes from ticket sales. So I thought it would be interesting to – Look at the ACC teams and football, remember maybe all the Power Five teams. Football, you mean? Yeah. Well, for generally speaking, yeah. Uh, just because you can go to the USA Today website and it breaks it down by ticket revenue, donations, blah blah blah. But the ticket revenue takes into account all sports. So just yeah. straight up ticket sales. What percentage of an athletic department revenue comes from ticket sales? Uh, and those are the pro and the high. The higher the number the more they're going to be affected by COVID-19, right? right? I, I was I was uh, 
looking through Virginia Tech's numbers this morning, and it, it was like 22 million in ticket sales out of like 96 million in revenue. But there were some other teams like Minnesota who had higher revenue and but fewer ticket sales. Yeah. So they're not impacted nearly as much as a team like Virginia Tech. But right. that's just one or two examples. So I want to look at all the numbers and do that comparison. Yeah. I think that so, I can probably have that done by Wednesday or Thursday or something. By the way, Clemson has said that they are aiming for full attendance next year. Oh, everybody's aiming for full attendance next year. Yeah, well, you know, Clem- Clemson already had an advantage this year of having something like 17,000 fans per game. So that's right. that's probably $1.7 million per home game they made that Virginia Tech and UNC and UVA didn't. So anyway, I know you gotta you gotta get out of here. Yeah, gotta go run to class with Professor Roth. Yes. Professor Roth. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll wrap things up. Episode 170 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Want to shout out Jake Lyman today, doing a great job. Second best podcast producer in the land. Jake, uh, thanks for your efforts today. And uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tech Sideline at Will Stewart TSL at Chris Coleman TSL. We'll be back Monday to preview the NCAA tournament and recap the ACC tournament. So I just got a direct message. Somebody's going to get me a grit shirt. Wow. I should have said this on the loud, loud on the podcast a long, a time, long ago. time ago. Yeah. yeah. Chris right. Coleman's had popcorn and a, and a grit, get shirt a grit shirt. Good day for Chris Coleman. I, I should probably just go to bed or something because <laughs> this day can't get any better. All right. That'll wrap things up for episode 170 of the Tech Online podcast. For Jake Lyman behind the scenes on the podcast set, our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart. I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Thanks so long. Thanks so much for watching and listening to episode 170 of the Tech Sideline podcast presented by Anytime Fitness, Campus Emporium, and the Southeast Regional Training Center. Happy 25th birthday for Tech Sideline. <laughs> Hokie Central, 25 years of covering Virginia Tech Athletics. Have a great week, Hokies, and we'll talk to you next Monday.